Hey everyone, your boy the Hoorings, and how are you doing? Alright, in this episode, I am going to be talking about the Black Phone. Yes, my review of the Black Phone. And I was very excited to see this movie, because not only is it um, Derrickson who's, who's doing this movie, he, you know, he's known for doing Sinister and um, Doctor Strange movies. So I think he's definitely up there with like Wes Craven, Stephen King, Clyde Barker, all those people that we used to seeing doing stuff, right, for horror movies. So, for the Black Phone, you are now watching episode 5, as I titled, Spam Calls from the Dead. <laughs> so, if you haven't seen this by now, you might not want to watch this video, because there's spoilers in it, but I'm sure you have seen it by now, because it's been out in theaters for a while, and you can watch it somewhere on VOD, I'm not sure where, I think it's Tubi or Peacock. But you gotta pay for it, which is fine, because um, Tubi and Peacock are usually get to generally um, have um, reasonable prices in order to rent movies. So, pretty much all you need to know about this movie is that what you see is in the trailer. Um, in the late 70s in North Denver, there is a spate of missing children. Rumors abound of a predator named The Grabber. So, Finney, who is the main protagonist in this movie, is either a popular baseball pitcher, or a shy weakling who is picked on by bullies all the time in school. Um, eventually, he is grabbed by the grabber, um, who is played by the most talented and remarkable Ethan Hawke, and a mass challenge the guy best you all know is Pennywise, the clown. His sister Gwen, on the other hand, <laughs> she is a shining touch of what we dream of in every horror movie as a young character. So, I'll talk about her later in a minute. Um, anyway, while Finney is locked in the basement, um, he the disconnected so-called black phone is hanging on the wall, and there is, in the room receives phone calls from the previous victims from the grabber, which I think is really cool in how they've tied them to the storyline of the plot, and I think it's very clever. Um, Finney, the main protagonist, must work himself free from the grabber's basement, although his only... Communication is with the dead, the grabber's previous victims. Because this basement is seems to be, you know, um, soundproof and it's insulated all crap like that. So, the first guy does a very good job of creating the compelling three-dimensional character in Vinny. Um, his life isn't all roses. Having to deal with an alcoholic and violent father, along with the schoolyard bullies. So, his life is pretty much a living hell at this point. And he's like, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> However, we are shown that Finney is a very considerate person. And he's strong and capable of doing whatever he wants to do, but he just doesn't want to. He, he holds off on his potential. But he also has to find a way to fend for himself. So he seems to survive the day by depending on his friendships and the relationship with his little sister, Gwen. Um, this sets up a compelling character and an arc that seems natural and satisfying until the very, very end of the movie. There isn't a lot of time spent on the Grabber, which kind of disappointed me a little bit. I would have liked to see the backstory on Ethan Hawke's character. Um, he was more of a presence and more of an ominous threat than an active participant in throughout the entire film. So, I would like to see them do more with him. So, Jason Blum, if you're watching this, please take that with a grain of salt. No disrespect, sir. You are a very talented person in making movies, and I love your work. 
So, looking forward to seeing Halloween ends, by the way. <laughs> However, the very ample opportunity for this guy to go dark, and it was a little surprised given that the grabber, what he did with his previous victims. So, this might have upped the stakes a little bit and made the grabber a more inedible villain. However, the first time in the film left me shivering in the dark watching a slideshow of gore and brutality when I, when I first watched Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street, um, even after a rewatch of 30 plus years, in addition of countless horror movies to my watch log, um, this movie still makes me quiver. I watched it about six times already, just because it's an excellent movie. So, upon hearing of the black phone, a triple gathering with Derrickson, co-writer um, Robert Cagill, or Cargill, sorry, um, and the most talented star, Ethan Hawke, I was filled with excited dread. I was so looking forward to seeing the movie when it first came out in theaters. I missed it, so I wound up watching on video on demand. Which is fine, because the longer I waited, the better it was. So, even though um, the victims of this movie are tethered by their own consequences, whether Sinister and um, you know, the film Sinister 1 and 2 had them spun in a web of inherent of their demise, the black phone connects them with threat of the crucial of survival, the fittest, pretty much. Um, based on the short story by Joe Hill, the son we all know of Stephen King, the Black Phone Chronicles is a gripping tale of the Grabber, a child killer who snatches teen boys in broad daylight who are never seen again. And all you see are missing posters throughout the entire town of Denver. Um, when Finney, played by Mason Thames, becomes the next captive of the Grabber, Held in a soundproof basement, uh, he begins to receive phone calls from the grabber's previous victims. Although the black phone is disconnected, um, the landline has been cut. Uh, stylistically, the film is melancholy, um, reminiscent of the vintage photographs and the era striped by baby tees and flared jeans and the Ramones. And which I thought was a nice touch, by the way, because I am a huge fan of the Ramones. I actually got to meet Joey Ramone at a um, convention in Lake City. Fucking most, one of the most amazing experiences ever. So, throughout the film, you get the warm browns and oranges, the film grain, the filtered light flood through the screen. But this idyllic—I'm sorry—idyllic 1970s suburbia is corrupted by Derrickson's horror, the grabber. So the only disruption of the otherwise consistent color scheme is the vibrancy of blood and the neon police lights, making these moments all more jarring and scary. The battered concrete of the basement is painted with brush strokes of rust and blood. The emblematic mural of violence, um, unrestrained, for lack of a better word, <laughs> the upbeat 1970s soundtrack is interrupted by a bassy resonant score that reverberates in your ribs, sinks into your eardrums, and at times like you're hearing it from the underground grabber's basement. <laughs> and if you want to use your imagination, do what you want with that. <laughs> so, anyway, the film's opening credits were awesome, by the way. Um, flash through a sentimental B-roll of the calm, everyday occurrences of suburban youth, popsicles, baseball games, the sunny avenues, the kids running their bikes, playing around the neighborhoods, interlaced with the vision of bloody knees and the stack of missing person posters. <laughs> a great way to kind of sneak that in there, right? <laughs> so, the combination of calm and collection being faced forward while violence festers underneath is not only stylistic, but thematic. 
the timid Finney and his spunky sister Gwen, played by the awesome, very, very awesome Madeline McGraw, after dealing with belligerent bullies at school, go home to not be raised by their abusive alcoholic father. So, you're always hearing Finney saying, I'll look at the dad, becomes a pattern of the dialogue throughout the entire film. When Finney is left to return home while his sister says, I'm going to go stay with a friend, it seems like she's just getting out of the responsibility of helping her brother watch after their father. I think at that point, I think I will be doing the same thing. So, but yet, these two still protect each other. Um, so, the son looks after the father, and the siblings raise each other. Kids protect each other all the time from boys while at school. The staff is just absent at every single fucking fight. So you're like, where the hell is the school staff at, and why are they not helping? So you got these all these brawls going on, and Gwen, the cool little sister, by the way, has her clairvoyant abilities, which leads to the police investigation of the past victims, how they communicate with Finney while he's in the clutches of the killer. So it's this commodity of child-to-child -child support where the system, in the ab absence of the reliable adults that makes the black phone more a simple story to take in and understand. So, Derrickson and Cargill created a nuanced, multi-layered narrative that takes horror elements to a whole new level and supports them throughout with thoughtful discussion of cycles of abuse, a trauma, and the bond of youth. So, Ethan Hawke, who plays the grabber, is characterized by a personality that is reversed. His fake, jolly personality boasts animated mannerisms in a high-pitched voice, almost like the Joker. So, it's eerie childlike hitching itself to a suggestion of trauma-based age regression behavior, which juxtaposes, I'm sorry, if I can pronounce this word right, it's been a while. Um, yeah, I lost my spot. <laughs> juxtaposing, there we go, juxtaposing, with the adult life profanity and maturity with which the kids speak. So, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. So, but the wacky Harlequin act is fleeting, and at the mercy of the total charge to grab her. A husky, deep tone of voice and unforgiving, violent demeanor. So, Ethan Hawke plays the grabber very well. It's like he just, all of a sudden, channels this dude. He's like channeling Pennywise, which is fucking fantastic, and exceptionally well done. It's in these movements where Ethan Hawke flexes his performance and versatility. So his villainy is very unpredictable throughout the movie, and it's volatile. He expertly tiptoes a discordant line of sprightly youthfulness and depravity, if that makes any sense to you. <laughs> so, switching on a dime, just like that, and with a mask covering lower half his face, which is creepy by the way, um, throughout the entire, well, most of the film, his acting relies on body language, which is really good for a lot of actors to do and pull off. So, it's the emotive flickers of his eyes. If you watch his eyes throughout the movie, it, whew, I was convinced that he could be an actual kidnapper. The way they go, Ethan Hawke. Thumbs up, dude. Five out of five. You're awesome. So, even though he said he was hesitant to play the villain, he more than succeeds at this role. And the emotional dramatic acting that's laid the foundation for this celebrity translates perfectly in this adverse role. 
So, they couldn't, Jason Blum, or whoever chose the actors, couldn't have chosen a better person to act as the grabber. Even though at times, Ethan Hawke haunts the screen, it is the performance of the child actors that pack Morrow in the bones of this movie. The delicacy in which Fames McGraw seamlessly balance a wide range of emotions in this feat. So, you have fear, anger, desperation, and resentment, which all cover this cake delicately in moments of youthful glee and adolescent comedy. <laughs> so the punchlines of the black phone are natural with the how the film centralizes for young teenagers. So, I want to say that this movie, the target audience may be adults, but 99% it's the youth and the teenagers. Because that's who they focus on throughout the entire film. So these two actors, these two young actors, Thames McGraw, receive moments of spotlight and use every single moment to grab the individual's attention and to shred any emotional distance afforded by the screen. So yet some of these people and the most poignant scenes occur in the wordless moments together. Where they poignantly portray an airtight silly mind between these two in the face of abuse and adversity. So, this phenomenal film is a saga of support and resilience masquerading as a semi-paranormal serial murder flick. Say that five times fast. <laughs> Underpinned by emotional performances across the board and a commanding atmosphere that perfects its introductory qualities and allows its nuances to take control. Once again, bravo on the writing and the directing. It was just fucking done phenomenally well. And I'm very happy to have seen this movie. I'm very happy I've waited for video on demand. So, it said the gore in this movie was put back on the back burner because it wasn't really focusing on the gore, but more like the supernatural aspect and how Fanny is communicating with the dead how to get out of his basement. So, the character development taking the first string but by no means dies or is not neglected and the thrill is just there. Rather, to care for the, the main character and the intensity of the film skillfully crafted suspense that draws you to your knees, into your chest, into your nails, into your teeth, throughout your head, head, shoulders, and toes. Anyway, <laughs> it's all there. The suspense is there. The thrill is there. And God damn, I can't praise this movie enough. It was just done so well. So, in closing, um, Blumhouse Productions delivered an awesome movie. Another solid original horror film by trusting on a story and a character growth to push the suspense. Yeah, so, Mr. Hill, um, I'm sorry, Mr. King, thank you so much for writing this book and the short story. And thank you, Mr. Blumhouse, or I'm sorry, Mr. Blum, for producing this movie. Because, god damn it, I was so excited, and I'm still excited talking about it. So, resulting in a top-shelf, expressively impactful, enjoyable horror film. I, I can't express that any other way. So, even though it's about teenagers learning to stand up for themselves in a destructive world which often renders them powerless, you can imagine most teens finding comfort in the resolve in this movie, especially in the main characters. So, McGraw offers a winsome performance with some precious Drew Barrymore moments at E.T., um, and he also delivers a physically demanding turn holding his own with Ethan Hawke. At the end, the way he just takes him out in the basement, and he escapes. I'm sorry, more spoilers. It's going to happen throughout my review. I'm sorry. 
you're just gonna deal with it. <laughs> anyway, even though it plays closer to thriller than horror, there are proper amounts of worth jumpy, worthy jump scares, never any false alarms, and some nice visual effects, as well as leveraging costume designs without going into too much detail and overborn glory. Overblown gore. There we go. That's what I meant to say. They realize proper lighting is your best friend. So, Mesa scene was used a lot in this movie. And it was just done perfectly. I, I, I could not God, stress and emphasize this enough. And I, yet, I, here I am still doing it. So, the cast is as solid and loaded with future superstars. So, look out for Madeline McGraw. She steals the show. Mason Thames works his character progression like a seasoned pro actor. He has some tricks up his sleeve, so watch that, especially. Scott Derrickson's creepy style of filmmaking is ideally suited for the 1970s serial killer genre. He breathes life into the air with a familiar classic rock soundtrack and plenty of pop culture references promise to pop a smile on Avon's face who was raised in the 70s. So, unfortunately, I was born in 79, so I was raised in the 80s. I wasn't there for the 70s, but yet, I still listen to music from the 70s. Come on, who doesn't? Especially the Ramones, come on now. So, definitely guaranteed to bring a smile to anyone's face acquainted with that time period in which that film is set. Um, Derrickson is also able to pepper in some comedic moments that land a solid chuckle without stirring in the dark atmosphere of the movie and turning it into a horror comedy. It blends it realistically and naturally. So the movie is smart. It's a feverish horror with a particularly appeal to teenagers. Like I said, the main audience, target audience, was teenagers. It follows the footsteps of, you know, Stand By Me and both the 1990 and 2017 versions. So at every turn, you can feel how the blind phone is paying homage to movies Derrickson and Carl loved and found guidance in, and they were maturing from teens into young adults. Um, this movie is their captivating gift to the audience and the new generation of horror fans. It, that's what it is. It's their gift to the horror community and how it's so refreshing. Um, the sound design was spicy. I can't put that any other way. <laughs> I can't describe that any other way. It's, spi it's spicy. Hello. Why is it so spicy? Anyway, it adds an extra depth to any good successful horror film that needs to hold anyone in and it jars the filmmaking at its best. Um, a thoroughly disturbing piece of work that will linger with you long after the end credits. Just saying. <laughs> the biggest enjoyable surprise, though, is the quality acting from the young cast. Especially Madeline McGraw, who plays Gwen and has some of the best lines in the movie. You will laugh your ass off with some of the shit that she says to the bullies. <laughs> and the cops! You're like, Oh, so if my daughter ever talked it to the cops like that, I would high fives all around. I'm sorry. That's just the way I am. <laughs> so, the two young characters and the actors with their supporting young cast do a fantastic job carrying the film. So, I have a few takeaways from this movie. Um, I wish they would have added more about the grabber, like a backstory, like a short backstory of the grabber and how he all started with when why he started kidnapping kids. But that's not in there, and it's unfortunate. Although the film has some good twists and turns, it ends up being compelling and engaging throughout. Um, 
there's a lot given a lot there's a lot given away in the trailer unfortunately but I guess that's what they wanted to do uh, I guess it was then was meant to grab your attention and it did for me when I first saw the trailer in theaters I was like dude I have got to see this movie because lately Blumhouse no discredit to them but some of their movies were not that good like um oh god what's the end of the damn movie <laughs> with, with the island and so yeah tattoo yeah I did not like that movie. So, yeah, there's just some that Blum could have worked better on. But this one was fantastically done, and I could not be happier. I'm just I'm going to watch it again after this review. I'm sorry. It's just going to happen. So, overall, it was very enjoyable, and it definitely exceeded my expectations, and very well deserves a 9 out of 10. So, that's all I have for now, my review on the Black Phone. If you have not seen this, please do. I, I, I cannot stress that enough how this movie was done so well. Ethan Hawke and um, the people who play Finney and Gwen are just awesome. You have got to see this film. It's a nice refreshing horror movie with a plot that we're not used to seeing in the horror community. Um, Ethan Hawke's performance along with the two young protagonists were exceptionally well done and I was very impressed with it. I highly recommend this movie to anyone who's looking forward to something new to watch. And please Continue to watch and subscribe to my YouTube channel and podcast episodes. I really appreciate all the support and love from my listeners and watchers out there across the world and the United States. Until next time, Horror Maniacs, this is the Horror Heathen signing out. Take care. Skull! <laughs>